It is time for us to begin our midday program here. It is a Friday edition on a snowy, drizzly, well, pretty much anything that you think of winter is a kind of day we've got going on. We'll uh, get to that as we go. We'll hear Paul come in in about oh, 15 minutes to talk about the weather. We'll hear from Al Dutcher also, and uh, we'll get you caught up on some of the road closings and stuff like that. Lots of things going on, and of course... It is a Friday, so we've got lots of things going on here on your midday program as well. And uh, started off with Susan Littlefield, who, uh, yeah, it's really going on in the Surprise Metro area today, isn't it? It is. We have a snow angel challenge going on. Okay. On social media. Oh, I did not know that. So okay. I know. Well, so it's been kind of fun. Okay. I went out at like five forty-five this morning and made a snowman, uh-huh. or not snowman, but a snow angel. Uh huh. On my way to check for baby lambs, so I figured, you know, since I tripped anyways, I might as well finish it out. <laughs> you were already down there. You might as well. <laughs> I was already down on the ground. Uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we got some rain overnight, then we got some, lots of snow, and then it started getting windy, and then it rained, and now it's snowing again, and hey, yeah. it is what it is. That's it's a Friday. Right. It's that time of year. Now, I mentioned just a little bit ago that we're talking to Al Dutcher. You're not going to make yes. me a liar, right? Okay. No, we okay. am not making you a liar. Okay. We are going to hear from Al Dutcher. Kicking it all off at 12.19 as he will bring us up to date on what we're seeing weather-wise as he talks to Shaley. Then stepping in at 12.45, Nate Bloom is the Executive Director of the Nebraska Grain Sorghum Board. He stopped by Innovation Campus to talk about the 2020 Sorghum Symposium. And he also does a little bit of reflecting back as he looks at 2019. And then as we have been doing all along, we've been checking out some great interviews with women in agriculture. Chabella Guzman will continue that at 117. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Good luck on your uh, challenge there. Thanks so much. Uh, all right. Talk all right. to you later. Thank you, Bye. Susan. Bye. Turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. I just wanted to start with this because I just saw this on Twitter. It was 32 years ago today that Ernest Biner fumbled on the one-yard line. As a Bronco fan, I figured you'd appreciate that. I think I would have been about a sixth grader. I mm-hmm. remember watching that. You remember the guy who recovered the fumble? Probably no, not. Oh, I don't. Jeremiah Castile recovered okay. that fumble. I remember being despondent, thinking, I mean, that was that was a great game, oh, too. They went yes. back and forth. Yes. Kozar and Elway dueled and great day at mile high i don't don't think cleveland's recovered from (laughs) that they really haven't because that happened the year after the drive right that was after the drive Uh because it looked like in binard had a great year and ouch it's over thanks for the good memories you bet (laughs) here to help you out now after that they won the afc title game and then the super bowls never went really well but later on they got that figured out uh, one thing that has been going very well is UNK basketball, especially for the men and the women. Is last night uh, they both won over Washburn and the Loper men. They've now won seven out of their last eight games. Uh-huh. They're both at home tomorrow as they take on Emporia State. We'll touch on that. Also, tough night for the Husker women as they were blown out by Maryland. And Coach Amy Williams was not real happy after that one. Not a happy camper at all. All right, Bob Brogan, uh, quickly uh, stocks uh, kind of even par today. Banks, communications companies leading the stocks higher today. And also some solid earnings reports from banks helping to extend momentum from yesterday. State Street and Citizens Financial were among the latest banks to report encouraging results in a a week of solid reports from larger financial institutions. Those are the stories we're watching. All right, that's all coming up on Midday. It is time for us to take a look at our 880 weather and see what's going on for us and around the world and how it's affecting agriculture. 
It is. Uh, it's a kooky. It's a kooky day out there right now, Paul. Yes, it's, a uh, very messy day. It doesn't yeah. look that bad, but sometimes you may encounter some situations where, oh, it surprises you and makes you, ooh, it's kind of bad out here. Right I now. did not know that drizzle <laughs> doesn't show up on radar. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, People may be looking at their phones on yeah. their radar screens thinking, oh, the worst of it's off to the east. Well, the worst of it is off to the east because yes. it, it is uh, falling to some heavy snow into parts of Southeast South Dakota, Iowa, on into northern Missouri, but we are seeing some drizzle form behind this system, and that's not showing up on radar. That's going to add to our travel problems for today. Well, and, and we're into the, one of those situations, in, in most of the roads, I should say, in fact, all the roads in the immediate listening area are covered or partially covered, according to 511. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 wintry uh-huh. it's not <laughs> awful if you're smart but yeah. but it uh, it can lead to some bad stuff. you definitely need to allow yourself some extra time a lot of temperatures right now in much of northern nebraska in the mid to upper 20s but as you go to right along i-80 and points to the south those temperatures in the upper 20s to low 30s including right along the nebraska kansas border temperatures on into the low 30s we will see some Temperatures get to above freezing in some locations. That will allow for some better travel, but temperatures across pretty much the northern two-thirds of Nebraska are going to be at or below freezing, so watch out for that freezy drizzle in combination with some of that snow that's on the roads from this morning. Also, blowing snow is going to be an issue. Winter weather advisory remains in effect, west central to eastern Nebraska and much of northern Kansas until 6 tomorrow morning. We will probably see some updates on that at about noon here, and we'll keep you up to date on that. In Nebraska, that advisory along and east of the line from Massachusetts to North Platte-McCook, Kansas, the advisory mainly along and north of I-70. Chances of a wintry mix of freezing drizzle, light snow. Once again, freezing drizzle is the main thing, maybe a little more light snow, and sleet will continue through this evening. Total snow and sleet accumulations ranging from a half inch to four inches of snow. We've had reports of two to three inches at least of some snow into eastern areas of Nebraska. Blowing snow also increasing the risk for slick roads. Southeast winds will gust to 30 for today and be even stronger out of the northwest tonight with gusts to 45 to 55. There will be some melting today with temperatures warming to just above freezing, but refreezing of that moisture on the roads is likely tonight when a strong cold front does move in. And once again, we do have our latest advisory maps on our KRV and Facebook page. That wintry mix of mainly freezing drizzle and light snow will remain possible through this evening with this area of low pressure tracking east. Any moisture that melts this afternoon, refreezing tonight. And once again, that cold, strong, that strong cold front moving in with some northwest winds gusting up to 55. Even expecting some wind gusts up to 60 miles per hour in north, central, and northwestern Nebraska. Winds will remain strong through much of tomorrow before they subside tomorrow evening with high pressure moving overhead. Temperatures will remain about 10 degrees colder than normal over the weekend. We'll see a wave of low pressure move across the northern plains that pushes some colder air to the south. Monday looks to be more of a transition day between some cooler air to the east and warmer air to the west. We'll see a ridge of high pressure bring a warming trend in dry weather during the middle of the week. Some snow or rain is possible with the disturbance Wednesday night into Thursday. That system does bear some watching since there is one forecast model indicating it could be a fairly strong system. In our long-term forecast, slightly warmer than normal temperatures are forecast. Nebraska and Kansas, the mid to late part of next week. Temperatures, though, trending slightly colder than normal by the end of next week and through January 30th. Above normal precipitation remains in the forecast Wednesday through the 30th for Nebraska and Kansas. 
Key weather factors in the markets include a strong winter storm across the central U.S. and mixed rain chances for South America. Today and tomorrow, a significant winter storm will continue to unfold from the northern and central plains into the northeast U.S. Storm-related livestock stress may be greatest across the upper Midwest, including the eastern Dakotas, western Minnesota, and northwest Iowa, where blizzard warnings are in effect for tonight and much of tomorrow. The precipitation will also maintain very wet conditions in the Midwest and Delta. That is a concern as we look towards spring planting. In the storm's wake, cold air will briefly engulf many areas east of the Rockies. Soft red winter wheat areas with a lack of snow cover need to be watched for Sunday and Monday when temperatures start to fall near the single digits. In the southern plains, rain from this storm will offer mostly favorable soil moisture for winter wheat. An active pattern next week of more storms will need to be watched for livestock. Across northern and central Brazil, moderate to heavy rain is forecast through the next week. Lighter amounts are in store for the south central and south, which bears some watching for stressful dryness to form. Heavy rains in the north part of Brazil could cause disruption of early soybean harvest. Most of Argentina, mostly favorable conditions right now for developing crops following some moderate and heavy rains this week. La Pampa and West Buenos Aires, though, recently benefit from light to moderate rain and much cooler weather, but these areas may turn drier quickly due to limited soil moisture reserves. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, uh, you know, most of the punch of this storm was two hour uh, east, but we're still not out of the woods as exactly. far as you know that refreeze tonight exactly and you know this freezing drizzle if your temperatures are in the northern part of nebraska right near freezing uh it's going to maintain those slick roads and then any of the snow that did fall probably getting blown onto the highways and that will make for some slick conditions all right very good well thank you paul i appreciate it uh where do you go to check in on your weather weather tab krvn.com <laughs> It's time again this week that we get to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shigley Peters, joining you on the Rural Radio Network. And Al, just briefly talking about this ahead of time, uh, you were fairly accurate, pretty spot on uh, with the snow predicted here towards the end of the week uh, last week. So... Uh, no pressure, but as we work into this weekend and next week, will we continue to see this? Oh, what do we have on the radar there? Well, Shaley, uh, first and foremost, uh, it's not me that's a, the accuracy on the forecast. It's actually the models that have done a fairly decent job. I'd like to take all the credit, but it's just a matter of trying to tweak those models and what they're doing. And um, I think this next 24-hour period is going to be a little bit dicey, especially in the eastern half of the state, particularly as the dry slot that was advertised quite well is starting to work into southern Nebraska with this storm as the temperatures start to rise at the surface. Of course, in front of that, we had those bands of snow move through most of eastern Nebraska, and, and as the warmer air started to invade in, it's turning more to a sweet, basically a freezing type precipitation mix. We haven't really gone over to that glazing type pattern. But as that dry slot moves through, we should see our surface temperatures at least south of the Interstate 80 corridor in south central and southeast Nebraska make it up to the freezing mark or slightly above. That should at least temporarily help to get the roads a little bit more in the favor of the transportation department being able to get those cleared off before we start to see the cold air move back in through this evening and as we do we're going to transition over back to a snow mix now the farther north you go into northeastern nebraska the less likely that is going to occur and you may be in a snow 
snow mix most of the day. And unfortunately, as that cold front comes through, we're going to see a rapid drop in temperature. So moisture that is laying on the surface that has melted as we get temperatures up or from the treatment by the Department of Roads, we are going to see a flash freezing type of event with very cold air coming in and, of course, wind-driven snow. And, and National Weather Service has already issued a blizzard warning for extreme northeastern Nebraska and points off to the north and east. And most of that is because we're going to be dealing with very high winds on the backside of this, and along with the push of cold air coming in. Most of this should pass through the state as we go through the overnight hours. There may be some residual snowfall in extreme eastern Nebraska as we go into t- early tomorrow morning after the sunrise hours. But most of that should push off into the Great Lakes region during the day on Saturday. That's going to allow cold high pressure to start moving into our region. We're going to have some very chilly temperatures as we get into Sunday morning, especially with the fresh snow cover. And temperatures are not going to rebound a lot from there. We'd be looking at probably Monday and Tuesday with primarily across most of the eastern two-thirds of the state. Temperatures are going to be locked into the teens, into the low 20s with temperatures at night moving down into the single digits to sub-zero readings, particularly in those colder locations of the state. The good news is we should start seeing a modifying temperature trend on Tuesday, particularly across western Nebraska, and it may take a day for that to make it into eastern Nebraska. So we'll rebound here in eastern Nebraska probably up into the mid to upper 20s. Then it does look like we get a break on Wednesday and potentially Thursday with warm air moving in, but yet another system looks like it's going to follow a similar path to the one we were just experiencing here over the last uh, 12 to 18 hours kind of takes the same pattern and at this point it looks like south central and southeast nebraska on the northern periphery of that system and as it cranks up toward the great lakes we pull some of that snow into northeast and east central nebraska thanks so much nebraska extension agricultural climatologist al dutcher you're listening to the rural radio network Time for us to check in on sports on this Friday afternoon. And Jason Jorgensen in here. And the Loper men just kind of keep surprising, don't they? They are. Uh, people keep asking how they're doing it. and I've given up trying trying to figure it out. I'm just enjoying it. Right. right. It's been a good year to be the radio guy of the Lopers. Yeah. <laughs> been some wins to call. And they continued to play well last night as they blew out Washburn at home, 79-51. to The Lopers have now won seven of their last eight. The 28-point margin of victory is UNK's largest ever against Washburn and the biggest win over a D2 foe in five years. Head coach Kevin Lofton says they were determined to stay locked in. Then we came in here tonight, and, and really our kids, they were determined we're trying to protect home court. I mean, in this league, if you can't protect your home court, you're in trouble. And, and we figured, if, you know, by getting out and stealing a couple on the road, you know, you don't want to come back home and lose all that momentum uh, by, by dropping them, uh, you know, dropping one or two here. UNK had four starters score in double digits. That group was led by Iowa senior Kyle Jewell, Bellevue senior A.J. Jackson, Kansas senior Morgan Susie, and Utah junior Jake Walker all chipped in with 15. Now the Lopers are back at home tomorrow as they take on Emporia State, who is 9-6 on the year. The UNK women's basketball team outscored Washburn by 15 in the third quarter and cruised in for a 69-53 win. Backup forward Alyssa Backus from Salina led the way with 16 points. The Lopers are 16-2 on the year. They have a big one tomorrow against nationally ranked Emporia State. Women's game at 2, men's game at 4. 
over on 93.1 The River. The news wasn't as good for the Husker women. They dropped their second in a row as they were blown out last mm-hmm. night on the road by 20th ranked Maryland, 87-69. Head coach Amy Williams says the Big Red missed their chance to get back into the game at the start of the fourth. Needed to come out of that um, third quarter third quarter break, you know, into the fourth quarter and continue to build on the momentum that we had going. And uh, they trapped Izzy hard. It turned into a turnover. I mean, that was a bad possession. But can you point to that one turnover being any worse than the other 19? I don't know. Ouch. Mm, With the setback, yeah. Nebraska slips to 13-4 and four overall. They are 3-3 three and three in the Big Ten. That would have been a nice one for them to steal had they been able to get it done. But couldn't get it. And some college football news. Baylor has hired LSU defensive coordinator Dave Aranda as its next football coach. Takes over a Big 12 team on the rise. The Bears went from 11 losses in 2017 to 11 wins this season. Of course, they played in the Big 12 title game and went to the Sugar Bowl. The 43-year-old Aranda, if you remember, he's been at LSU the last four years before that. Uh, he was responsible yeah, for that tough right. defense ahead of Wisconsin that always ran through Nebraska. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, those are bad memories. <laughs> so they are getting a very good coach. Yeah. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. All right. Thank you, Jason. Hey. Nebraska lawmakers listened to Governor Pete Ricketts outline his budget and legislative priorities for Nebraska during his State of the State address. Senator Matt Williams of Gothenburg says property tax relief is the governor's first priority. Flood recovery is next. We know the devastation across the state and a lot of things didn't get fixed in 2019 and and, uh, still need to be worked on. Retaining military veterans is another. And the legislature has already uh, debated on first round LB 153 and passed that on a vote of 46 to 0 which would exempt from Nebraska state income tax 50% of the retirement income of uh, our military people that have uh, devoted their lives to protecting us and protecting our freedoms. The governor's final priorities are expanding the state's workforce and passing LV 720, which would revise Nebraska's business incentives. Police are looking for a man they believe tried to abduct a woman as she jogged in near Hanscom Park in Midtown Omaha. Police say the incident happened Sunday evening when the 23-year-old woman reported that a man in his 30s driving a dark-colored car approached her as she was running. The woman said that during their interaction, the man grabbed her and tried to force her into his car. Police say the woman was able to fight the man off, escape, and call for help. The man then sped off in the car. Police are asking anyone with information to contact Omaha Crime Stoppers. Earlier this week, the University of Nebraska at Kearney was once again recognized by U.S. News and World Report, this time as one of the best schools in the country for students pursuing an online graduate degree in education, ranking 28th place, which is good for second best in the state of Nebraska. UNK was also picked sixth among 37 schools nationwide on the list of the best online masters in education programs for veterans. UNK Chancellor Doug Christensen explains why these programs have become so successful. 
both programs have similar mission, and that is we want to take the same quality that is on campus and be able to literally reach out and bring our programs to those that are either because of career or family or geographic challenge can't come to campus. And uh, our College of Education has been able to prepare educators to meet those workforce demands really well, and they've really refined it to the point where it is as good and maybe it's even better taking it online. In the fall 2019, U.S. News and World Report once again ranked UNK as a whole as one of the top 10 best public regional universities among regional universities in the Midwest. And with road conditions deteriorating, emergency personnel are responding to a two-vehicle accident affecting the westbound lanes at Hershey Interchange, mile marker 164 on Interstate 80. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Get ready, Nebraska. Coe Wetzel is coming to Red Dirt on the River. Saturday, February 15th at Viero Center Carney. Coe Wetzel, along with Cody Canada and the department. And Cody West. Tickets are on sale now at CarneyEvents.net and the box office. Viero Center Carney and 93.1 The River present Coe Wetzel at Red Dirt on the River. Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. Today we're pleased to have the Executive Director of the Nebraska Green Sorghum Board, Nate Bloom, joining us as we catch up on all the happenings with uh, the sorghum industry here in the state of Nebraska. Nate, I know you're really excited about one coming up. It's the 2020 Sorghum Symposium happening down in the southwest corner of the state, right? That's correct, Bryce, and thank you for all the good work that you do and for your time today. It's really a pleasure to be with you and to speak with your listeners. Yeah, we have the uh, the 2020 Nebraska Sorghum Symposium, which will be taking place on Thursday, January 30th in Curtis, Nebraska, in the auditorium at the Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture. Um, we're really excited about the event this year. We've, uh, we've pulled in some of the same elements that uh, producers have come to expect in regard to agronomy and weather and marketing information, and that's really, really important. And then we've added some other elements, too. So, for example, I'm going to be giving a talk myself on how producers can better leverage their social media and what that means, how do they interact with consumers in that way. I think that's something that's really important and is coming more and more to the forefront of consumers' thoughts. Uh, we also have a company um, out of uh, uh, Washington State, as a matter of fact, uh, that's doing some work with uh, traceability uh, in, um, in software in particular and how we can maybe pilot that here in Nebraska. And they're going to zoom in, do a Zoom call uh, for the conference as well. Um, the conference is free to attend. Uh, starts uh, Registration starts at 9 o'clock, and then the program starts about 9.25, 9.30. Uh, but we are asking folks, uh, so that we can get a head count for the meal, uh, to go ahead and register, even though it is free. Uh, so if you go to eventbrite.com and look up the 2020 Nebraska Sorghum Symposium, you'll be able to find that. Is that the best place for people to get more information about the, the daily agenda and so forth as well? Absolutely. So uh, we don't have the agenda up on Eventbrite yet. I believe we do have it up on our website. Mm-hmm. Our website's uh, www.nebraskasorghum.org, um, and we've also put that up on our social media as well, and we'll do that again here in the coming week uh, so that folks can see what's what's going on there. But we try to leverage all of those different platforms uh, together so that we can reach as many people as possible. Well, I mentioned uh, you guys have been busy lately, and you got a busy month or two ahead as well. Commodity Classic, that's on the horizon as a sorghum movie represented down there. Yeah, I'm excited. San Antonio, the end of uh, February. I think, uh, in fact, just the other day I got the sorghum-specific schedule for Commodity Classic. I think there's a lot of great opportunities 
down there. Um, I'll be running the booth uh, for a little bit. So if you've got listeners that are heading down to San Antonio, come and see me. Give me a hard time. Nate, you've also got a banquet coming up, right? Yeah, so March 19th is our annual uh, sorghum appreciation banquet that's put on by the Nebraska Sorghum Producers Association. It'll be held in Grand Island at the Ramada Midtown. Um, If you're interested in getting an invitation to that banquet, uh, go ahead and shoot me an email, uh, sorghum.board at nebraska.gov, or you can send an email from our website, um, and we can sure get you on that list as well. So we're really excited about that. We've got a couple of good honorees. Uh, one one person that um, we're going to honor at that, it's a little emotional. We had a longtime board member, John Dvorak. Uh, many folks know him as the Milo Man. Uh, and he, he passed away recently after um, a bit of a struggle, a health struggle. And uh, his family uh, and, and he are, are and were great supporters of the sorghum industry. His daughter, Christine, is one of our interns as well. And we're honoring him with, uh, with an award for service to sorghum um, at, at that event. So... That's going to be very meaningful and touching, I think, for a lot of our members. Um, John was a fantastic guy. One of the first board members, of course, that I met coming on and one of my first advocates on the board uh, for me. Um, so I owe him quite a bit. be a neat tribute, I'm sure, to honor John and the work that he's done for the sorghum industry. Nate, it's been a while since you and I had the opportunity to sit down. I think the last time we sat down was when you were first hired on as the executive director. So I want to discuss how the past year has been for you and maybe get a little bit of your vision as we are in the new year into 2020 of some of the things that excite you the most about the role you're in. Yeah, it's crazy, Bryce. I, I really enjoy talking with you. Um, you know, we should talk more often. I, I'm told I've got a face for radio, so this is <laughs> this is perfect, actually. So the past year, I came on February 13th um, last year, so right before Valentine's Day. Uh, and, uh, boy, it's, it was a pretty steep learning curve, uh, of course, the first few months. We were really blessed that we had uh, Barb Clement, the previous director, stay on for a few months there and, and mentor me through uh, through that transition. Um, but, you know, as we've gotten further along, I think we had a fantastic year last year. Uh, we got through, our, of course, our first budget cycle, which was a lot of fun. And then we went on to um, the, both the Nebraska State Fair, which uh, we did some cooking demonstrations. We did some popped sorghum. Uh, we, we did the cookies. Uh, we launched our Sergeant Sorghum campaign officially. Um, of course, Husker Harvest Days went great. And then uh, just right after that, uh, bing, bang, boom, I was uh, in Hanoi with the governor from the trade mission there. Um, we are anticipating uh, having access to the Vietnamese market for sorghum. Uh, here in February is what I'm told now. For about five years, uh, we've had a kind of a loggerhead between USDA, um, APHIS, and uh, the Vietnamese government over a phytosanitary protocol. Uh, sounds like we finally have some agreement on that. Uh, the governor was a big, big part in helping move that ball forward. And that's big because we talked about value-added exports. Uh, the aquaculture industry in Vietnam is, is enormous. Most of the diet there is seafood. And in fact, they export a lot of it uh, to to Europe, uh, but very little of it actually comes from the sea. Mm-hmm. And so we have a listing, for example, um, from one of the uh, service industries there, industry organizations. We have a listing not only of the the name of every aquaculture producer in Vietnam, but also phone numbers, emails, addresses. So once we're able to get contact or get sorghum back into the market, rather, um, we can really leverage that at the national level. So I'm really excited about that. Opportunity. That's the word I was going to use as we wrap up, Nate. Uh, lots of opportunity on the horizon. We appreciate you stopping by and visiting with, with us about some of the things happening in 2019 as we look forward to 2020 with the Nebraska Grain Sorghum Board. Nate, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Bryce. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network.
Time for our business report here on midday as we uh, take a look at uh, the markets, see where things are going in the overnights and the overseas markets. Good, good news. Green across the board there. The Nikkei up 108. The Hang Seng was up 174. The FTSE in London was up 65. And the German DAX index was up 96. So that's all pretty good stuff there. The 10-year yield up uh, over a percentage point and the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average up 27, NASDAQ up 13, and the Standard & Poor is up 8. So we leave it to Bob Brogan to possibly find any kind of a bad story right now. I could find bad stories, but you know what? Right now, I just want to find good stories. I like that. All right, you do that. Stocks edging higher in midday trading today as solid earnings from banks helped extend momentum from yesterday's rally. State Street and Citizens Financial were among the latest banks to report encouraging results in a week of solid reports from larger financial institutions. Investors were also digesting the latest government housing data, which showed a December surge in new home construction. So... Stocks are a little bit higher today. Construction of new homes surged in December to the highest level in 13 years. The Commerce Department says builders started construction on 1.61 million homes at a seasonally adjusted annual rate, up 16.9% from the November pace of home building. Industrial production, meanwhile, fell three-tenths of a percent in December as unseasonably warm weather reduced demand for heating from utilities. The U.S. government's auto safety agency is looking into allegations that all three of Tesla's electric vehicles can suddenly accelerate on their own. Can't see why that's a problem. And an unidentified person petitioned the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration asking for an investigation into the problem. Previously, I said I would test vehicles for nothing. I may have to charge Tesla <laughs> because, you know, when I'm going down the highway... I don't want that thing to just take off on its own, so uh, they may have to pay me. So okay. Okay. Anyway, and also, a new survey of bankers suggests the economy is growing in rural parts of 10 plains in western states. A survey released today, uh, released actually yesterday, showed that the overall index for rural parts of the region improved from 55.9 in January uh, to 55.9 in January from December's 50.2. So Ernie Goss, uh, Creighton University economist, says hiring remains strong across the region. And by the way, we are busier than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Thank you, Bob. And, and so is business, too. It, business is brisk. It is brisk. It's busy. There's a lot going on. Yes, there is. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. From a very young age, when she would go with her father to sales, Krista Thomas of Menno, South Dakota, was interested in the cattle business. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Thomas was nominated for our Women in Ag series by Brenda Neeson, who says as a young wife and mother, Thomas works a large cow, calf, and sheep operation. Thomas grew up on a commercial Red Angus calf operation. The cattle were always kind of my heart and soul. And then when I got married, I married into it as well. And my husband also owns a feed business. So, you know, it's just 
our whole life kind of evolves around the cattle. But my passion is definitely the cow-calf operation. You know, it's what I know and it's what I love that way. Going to the big sales with her dad got her interested in the seed stock commercial side of the business. So ever since then, I really enjoyed, you know, raising calves, uh, looking for new herd sires, um, looking at the genetic part of things, you know, and, and seeing those calves grow up, seeing how they performed as heifers or cows out in the herd. You know, we, we raise calves as feeders. So we, you know, we've dipped into the mixing the simangus, uh, simital side of things, you know, a little bit of the crossbreeding, but, um, you know, we run red and black Angus cows straight and then buy like the simangus bulls and and it's really neat to see, you know, when you bring in some of the, the Sim Angus type stuff, you know, the, the growth on the calves. And Thomas not only has a passion for her cattle, but also for dogs. She bought her first dog, a beagle, in grade school and graduated to border collies in high school. She now raises a few border collies and says they play a fundamental part in their operation, especially with the sheep, her and her husband, Elliot, raise. I don't know if you ever tried to move sheep around. I mean, everything we do with sheep is with the dog. You know, we just sit and hold gates, and and then they they do the rest of the work. And that's the nice thing about what we found about the border collies is, you know, they're, they're the dogs that make you lazy. You know, you can stand by and hold a gate, and they'll bring the stock to you. And that's something that I couldn't live without. And I've worked with other breeds of dogs, and I haven't found anything that, you know, that's that consistent and that natural and that versatile. Um, you know, I can take my dogs out and work pairs. And then I can bring them back and they can bring me lambs to treat. I mean, it's, they're, they're really, really amazing dogs. Thomas says with small children, she will often ride the four-wheeler and have the dogs do the work. She also works a lot with 4-H youth and helping them train their dogs. Immersed in agriculture, Thomas and her family has also been experiencing tough times like most of their neighbors. She says last year's floods were a real struggle. And in February, we lamb and, you know, we had, I think... A three inch of three inches of rain in a storm that during February, and then you know calving. I think we had a couple big storms, and it was just tough. And walking over dead ones, and saving what you can, and you know to the point where horses and four wheelers can't get around. You got to get in a tractor, and it was a hard, hard spring, and it just never gave up. Everyone was waiting for a break, but it never came. Thomas says cattle are tough. But the people who backgrounded them, including themselves, saw a 20-pound difference in the cattle weight from the previous year. She says their ranch and business is a way of life for her, even with all the financial challenges. We estimate that we have six, $700 into keeping a cow a year. And, you know, when you sell heifer calves for $600, things just don't pan out. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's a really, really big struggle this year. And there's a lot of people that, you know, are facing the same obstacle, too. With two big trade deals signed in the past few weeks, Thomas and other cattle producers like them will hopefully see an upswing in the markets and their business. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Trebella Guzman. Air. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, if you uh, looked at the markets on Wednesday and then looked at the markets again today, it's been a good week. Yeah, you wouldn't notice like what anything gone on, right? So we kind of find ourselves, at least in the feed grain side, back up to where uh, we traded midweek, 390. I think, you know, market's going to trade here close to $4 in the cash out east. Uh, when, it, when it gets a... I think you're going to hear uh, and see um, 
upside. You know, you'll see farmers selling rather uh, that'll that'll you know meet the market. And uh, on the breaks, you'll see some things bought. And this morning, the rumor that got pushed was China coming in and buying a couple of cargos from the Pacific Northwest, and that is enough to push the shorts back out. They got in yesterday and kind of reset everything back to this four dollar price point out east. So. Um, you know, we're not going into delivery anytime soon for corn. And uh, in my opinion, you know, South America still has a lot of work to do as far as meeting the, the demands of the market. So, you know, this China news is, is big. And I think, you know, we could go to 405 for 407 here in the short term. Are you going to be watching for any headlines or anything over the weekend that could uh, disrupt this long action we see? No. I mean, obviously you know, something that would happen between the U.S. and China, but I mean, this is behind us now. I think you kind of have to trade with that in mind. I know a lot of us have, have essentially, who follow this every day, have been, you know, in the Charlie Brown cartoon where you think there's a deal and everything's exciting, and then, you know, the football gets pulled from you as, as, as things seem to be getting better. I think yesterday folks were kind of in that same mentality where it's like, geez, you know, we just signed this thing, we heard how great of a deal it is, the president's out saying how great of a deal it is, and yet we're still finding ourselves down you know, two or three percent on the news. Um, I think I, I I can't explain why we were down yesterday. Really, is more of a I think computer driven driven model. When they get these headlines, they want to fade it. But you know, with strong cash comes you know rebounds like this. And I, I think we're in very good shape. And if China's going to be a, a buyer of U.S. corn, I think new crop acreage is going to need to reflect that. And we'll stay around here for a while. Looking out to the currencies, looks like the Brazilian real is a little bit softer. Yeah, we want to see that strengthen up a little bit. I, uh, but again, I'm not. I'm not concerned about this point. Uh, we're the cheapest corn in the world. Uh, you know, and, and the U.S. carryover is highly debated due to the yield a year ago. I'm. I'm. I'm strong ball here. I think we got another bit time to the upside in corn, and we'll go back to 950 beans in my opinion. Again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing. You can learn more about their newsletter this week in grain by visiting their website. That's danielzagmarketing.com, danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. That'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcast at krvn.com. Brought to you by Divinity Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DiviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divinity deal.